Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Yeah, well, that Wizards team's getting torched by the Mavs 52-35 right now. Luka's got 17. Nick's up 30-17 on the Hawks. You got the Celtics up 25-18 on the Sixers right now. And the uh, Bucks up 23-12 on the Raptors. Dame's already got 10 points. He heard us talking last hour. And uh, he's now shooting the ball a whole lot better than he's been for a good portion of the season. I should have played the Dame props with no Giannis tonight. Yeah. Should have. My buddy's on Twitter saying maybe Giannis is the problem. LOL. <laughs> Those jokesters. Bucks will be fine. Bucks will be just fine. You know. They should just alternate games. They Badgers, on the other hand, not so sure, kids. But Dame's the, team, it's the Giannis's team, it's Dame's team, it's Giannis's team. Well, Dame's that would be the Phoenix Suns then, because they would just yes. be alternating who plays. So, you know, these two guys, Dame and Giannis, they play. Kevin Durant most of the time. has been most really incredible, though, so far this year. He's averaging like yeah. 31 points per game. He's getting double teamed every single possession because none of his teammates are on the team right now because they're all injured. Uh, and nobody was really talking about uh, my man, Kevin Durant. Yeah, and he's playing like 37 minutes yeah, a night, too. It well, it's almost like the point we just. It, we're numb to everything Kevin Durant can do, you know? Like, we just expect that from him. We expect him when he's healthy to play. We expect him to go out there and every single night look like one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. Facts. And you just kind of like, and it's it's not fair to him in some ways, but like, it's the reality. We just are so spoiled with everything Kevin Durant has done for so long that it just becomes a normal night. You need him to almost put up 50 to be like, oh yeah, Kevin Durant forgot about that guy. Yeah, my friend was like, but is he really still him? Like, I don't know. He's looking kind of old. I'm like, he's putting up 31 a night. Right. What are we talking about? And if we're going to spend so much... I know he's obviously been hurt more recently, but if we're going to spend so much time about talking about LeBron James and the level of play that he's had and that he stayed at for so long, I know Durant's not as old. He's, what, four years younger than LeBron, but... Right. I mean, he's still up there, too, at an elite level at, what, 30... What is he, 35? 35? 35. Yeah, 35. So, like, hey, 35 things start to hurt, all right? You know? Yeah. You got lie. Right. Your hips, everything. Hips don't lie. The hips do not they lie. do not lie. That's very, very true. All right, we bring on Jim Root. Joins us, of course, three-man weave. Uh, yeah, we had, man, we had some great college basketball games last night. And, you know, it was the, it was the blue blood matchups. We're getting kind of those those early tastes of what some of these teams with national title aspirations maybe look like. But, you know, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was Michigan State and still their inability to just shoot the basketball. I mean, Ryan and I sat here last night just joking about how many threes they've missed. And every single time it was, okay, now they've made six this entire season. Is this one of those, that's early in the season, or is it, oh, this is a bigger concern than we maybe realized? I'm going to lean more towards the former. I'm not like super Mm -hmm. panicky about them, but it it is noteworthy that they lost their best three-point shooter in Joey Hauser from last year, and I don't really feel like they're creating the same quality of looks this year. Uh, There isn't somebody out there that is terrifying defenses to where there's gravity and they're drawing eyes all the time and it opens things up for everybody else. I will say, you know, my opinion means something maybe – but Tom Izzo's opinion probably means something, too. And I was there last night at United Center, and in the post-game presser, he was not worried at all. It was actually kind of impressive. I mean, one and two, and he was just like, oh, no, these guys battled really hard. Uh, they, they forced their way back into that game in the second half. He doesn't seem concerned about the shooting. He kind of sees the bigger picture and, and feels like it's going to come around. But, man, like game by game right now, you look at it, and it just it's not an inspiring team. And 
They've got another tough test coming up in the Gavit games on Friday, so it's not an automatic that they're going to start figuring it out right away. But I do tend to think long season uh, that they will sort of kind of sort it out. Uh, Jim, usually I hate Kansas. I hate the Jayhawks, but uh, I don't know. Last night, Hunter Dickinson over eight and a half rebounds. He had twenty-seven and twenty-one. You obviously, you know, you have Zach Eady looking to be the uh, what the second two-time winner as far as the uh, Wooden Award. I was looking at the odds today. Eady's plus one seventy-five. Hunter Dickinson's plus four fifty. Um, anybody else worth a look, or, or what would you do if you wanted to play that market right now? Oh, I, that's that's a tough question. At those prices, I feel like that's so kind of reflective of, of what I feel like the race should be. Um, Filipowski could maybe get into that race at some point. And then like Donovan Klingen, perhaps at UConn, he, he's kind of off the radar right now because he's been sort of on a minutes restriction and UConn's played probably the worst schedule in the entire country. I think they've been a 40-point favorite twice. Uh, so they haven't really been prominently featured. But Sunday night, they get Indiana. Indiana's got a relatively solid front court if Klingon shows out there he starts to get a bigger minutes load perhaps that'll you know he'll take off there the Dickinson thing is interesting because a couple of people messaged me and were like am I wrong to say he's better than Zach Eady right now because of that stat line last night and I, I think it's more about who they played Kentucky has no bigs at all like they were guarding him with a six seven wing for a lot of the game uh, Trey Mitchell's like the only guy over six seven that plays in the rotation their top three centers are all hurt or ineligible at this point so I'm going to like kind of temper expectations for Dickinson's production, but Bill Self is a master of getting him the ball in great spots. He's playing with three incredible passers in McCullough, Harris, uh, and KJ Adams in the front court, guys that can get him the ball when he needs it, where he needs it, and he's got the finishing touch inside. So the numbers are going to be really gaudy, uh, and I think it'll you know stand out for a top-five team, but I still lean towards Edie, and I think he's going to continue his production as well. How are we feeling, Jim, uh, about Kentucky? I was a little curious over Coach Cal keeping Dillingham on the bench for as long as he did. It feels like this should be his team. They were up big on Kansas and let that lead slip away, and I'm starting to worry about Coach Cal in general. Well, the the one that really baffled me is, you know, he had that run, Dillingham, where he hit, I think, three or four threes in five minutes, and then he assisted one that forced a Kansas timeout, and we come out of the timeout, and Dillingham's on the bench. I was like, no one is playing better right now than him. I know he had two fouls, but I think you just got to let the guy go when he's playing as well as he was. I, overall, though, I actually came away pretty encouraged by Kentucky. Uh, I like that Cal leaned into his roster style uh, and what the construction is right now. Uh, he's only got one big, so he spread things out, let his guards really go to work and get into space and play up tempo. And that really gave Kansas problems at times. Of course, they got beat up inside, so it would be nice for them to get one of those big bodies back. But they've got a lot of playmakers. Uh, obviously, Wagner and Edwards had pretty terrible games, but Dillingham looked good. Reed Shepard looked good. Uh, I think there's going to be enough there for Kentucky, and, and the style is is tough to deal with with how many different guards they play and how, how well they can spread the court out. That I actually uh, came away encouraged. I just think they're going to have some ups and downs because of how young they are. Like going through the SEC schedule, a couple of road games, they probably won't be engaged as they were for a Champions Classic game against the number one team. So maybe some confounding losses in there. But overall, I think the ceiling is actually pretty high. 
Talking to Jim Root, BetMGM tonight. Uh, Duke is 14-1 to win the national title. Same as Arizona, third shortest odds right now. We just watched them play each other recently, and now this was a very different game for Duke versus what you had against Arizona. What was different in that game against Michigan State, and did it maybe make you feel, and I don't know how you felt about Duke before that game, but was it maybe at least a sign of something more promising for Duke given the Arizona game before that? Yeah, I liked what they they got out of Caleb Foster. I thought that was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just kind of exemplified that backcourt with with Proctor, Roach, Foster, and McCain. Like any of those four guys can really go off in a game. I'm still a little wary. Like Duke was my preseason team or preseason preseason number one team coming into the year, and a lot of that had to do with Tyrese Proctor making a jump into you know definite first team All Conference, threatening for All American level, and he he's not that right now. He's just not assertive enough. Uh, he, he doesn't want to score. He's kind of more of a game manager, feels like, you know, kind of a derogatory term. But it's what he is right now. He likes to set others up. He doesn't like to really try to create his own offense that often. And if he's not going to ascend up into that All-American status, they're super reliant on Filipowski. Uh, the big difference last night was that Michigan State doesn't have Umar Ballo and, and Krivas, the giant seven-footers that Arizona can throw at them in the paint. And I think that actually helped not expose maybe Duke's biggest weakness, which, which I do think is that interior defense, lack of a true five-man, lack of a rim protector. Uh, so that that helped them out, a better matchup for them. Styles make fights, and I think that worked well for Duke. But there aren't that many teams that are as big as Arizona, like maybe Purdue, UConn, Kansas. So maybe that's a problem in the Elite Eight, Final Four, but I don't think it's going to really wear on them too much during the season. Um they were my, my pick preseason to, to win it all. Like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of down on them relative to that. I think they're more of a top 10 team than number one right now. You've, cu- you've kind of touched on him briefly, too. Kyle Filipowski, I mean, is he the type of talent that you think can kind of put this team on his back and take them on a long march run, or is it just not maybe not at that level? I, I think he is. And I know okay. um, he had like the two hip surgeries in the offseason, and last year Tennessee kind of punked him with, with physicality in the tournament, but he's he's a big dude like a true seven footer 240 pounds i think he can take some of the beating but i think it's going to help them if they can get christian reeves to come along or sean stewart to come along where maybe filipowski doesn't have to guard the opposing center every night i think he's more of a natural four but the offensive game i think is is all there for him he can knock down threes he can pick and pop he can post up he can kind of isolate you from the mid post and put the ball on the floor has that shooting touch and finishing ability and ability to play through contact against big guys in the paint. I think he can be a guy that, you know, goes on that magical march run, especially with the fact that they've got a deep backcourt where they're not reliant on one or two guys. They can have somebody like Foster step up as he did last night. Uh, Jim, last week, I believe we talked about the Big East a little bit when we looked at the futures, but I wanted to ask you about Marquette. Um, they're number four in the country. That was a big win over Illinois last night. I wanted to bet them. I didn't think Kolick was going to go, and then he scores 24 points, has six boards, four assists, like two steals, and plays over 30 minutes, 37 minutes on a tight ankle. Uh, where are you at with Marquette this season um, and with, with Shaka? Do you think they can make a run? Yeah, I, th- I think they rock. I couldn't believe he played either. I-, I thought it was, you know, true coin flip situation. Is he going to be out there? And if he plays, the-, the ankle's a balloon and he's limited. He's not really able to get into gaps the way he normally does. And it didn't seem to slow him down much at all. I watched some of the tape again this morning. and It was just like, wow, he, he looks like natural Tyler Kolick. And you add that to Cam Jones, who I think is, you know, one of the most underrated scorers in the country with his three-level abilities, a great finisher at the rim. He can knock down threes. Igadaro's a great passer in the front court, and they've got these sophomores that are coming along and giving them 
kind of the defensive edge and a little more uh, dynamism on the wing. It, without Omax Prosper, I thought that was going to maybe be a weakness for them, but They've got some guys that have really developed, and Shaka's leaned into that. He didn't go into the portal at all this offseason. It's all internal development with them. So I think they are a bona fide top five team, and we're going to see it in Maui against Tennessee and Kansas and Purdue and Gonzaga. Yeah. Like that field is so loaded. If Marquette comes out of there, you know, two and one in any shape or form, I think is great. And if they win the, the invitational, I think people are going to go nuts for Golden Eagle futures. Jim, do you think the fact that we're not seeing UConn and, you know, the these big tournaments like they were in the Phil Knight Invitational last year is kind of allowing them to hang under the radar because uh, they're beating the snot at everyone they play. Uh, Dan Hurley's still a madman. He's going crazy because they did it. They played soft against Mississippi Valley State when they blew him out by 30. Cam Spencer went nuts. Like, I feel like UConn's still kind of uh, the team. Yeah, and one thing I was questioning with them this year was that inside rotation. Like last year when they had Sonogo and then, you know, he plays 25 minutes and you bring Klingon for 15 minutes and the opposing front line is just like you see their shoulders drop and it's exhausting to go against them. But Samson Johnson has been that guy for them off the bench playing behind Klingon and he's dunking everything. They've got more size, more athleticism. And the freshman Stefan Castle sat out last night, but I think he's – trying to give that Andre Jackson facsimile, a big-time playmaker on the wing, and Spencer's kind of playing the Jordan Hawkins role as a shooter. I, I thought those guys would be enough of a downgrade from what they had last year that they wouldn't be quite as good, but man, they've been terrific every single game. Like we said, they, they haven't played anybody yet, but we'll see how they do against an Indiana test on Sunday, but Man, this was the first game Mississippi Valley State where they did not cover against a non-conference opponent since two seasons ago. So they, they covered every game last year. They started 2-0 this year against non-conference foes. So UConn, I think, might be under the radar. And if you want to get in, maybe it's now before Indiana on, I think, a nationally yeah, televised game that people are going to see. Yep, exactly. Jim Root, three-man weave. Always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certain programs where if they have slow starts, like a Michigan State, you don't, like, you look at things that are a, a worrisome sign, but, like, I, I'm kind of with Jim where it's like, all right, it's not it's not going to be something that you're going to panic about, just given the fact that, yeah. well, you've got a legendary head coach that's been through everything before and understands how to get the most out of his programs, and really, what matters the most? Every year at Michigan State, what do we always say? Well, you got Tom Izzo, they'll probably go on a run. Like, you just assume that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, like, in the, in the Big Ten, they have the second-best odds right now. Purdue's obviously going to be really good with Zach Eady because he's seven foot eight, and nobody could guard him. Yes. He's only played, like, 42 minutes in the first two games of the season because they haven't really played anybody yet. Yeah. Uh, but then you have Michigan State, Illinois. That was a big loss last night, and Kohler was injured in that game, and you had that game at home. So, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Terps. Wisconsin doesn't look great right now. They're 13-1, to so Michigan State should be fine. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Izzo may have lost his. Uh, lost yeah, his, I'm not ready to do it. Not ready to say it yet. Yeah, just kidding. Not ready to say he'll be, it. He'll be there in March. Can't do it. You can't count out Tom Izzo. It's impossible. It's bet MGM the night.